Hello, everyone. Welcome to It Was a Different Time, the podcast where we explore the social and cultural changes that 60-plus-year-olds have experienced in their lifetimes. I'm your host, Natalie Weckeser. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Joe Ramsdale, a 62-year-old second-wave feminist in her third year of college here at the University of Nevada, Reno. Joe's story starts in a small town named Washington, Iowa. My name's Joe Ramsdale. I'm 62. I'll be 63 in January. I'm from a little town in Iowa called Washington. It was really a fun place to grow up. It was a small community, probably eight or 9,000 people at the time. Very, very pretty. Everyone knew each other, of course. And um, basically, as a kid in Washington, Iowa, you left the house at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you didn't come home in the summer until 9 o'clock at night. And I think we probably put like 20 miles a day on our bikes. And we would go for rides. We would break into people's houses to see how they lived. You know, not to take anything, but just curiosity. Um, climb trees. We did all that stuff. And it was just it was just what we did back then. Kids don't get to do that anymore. They don't get to ride their bikes. They don't get to play. They always have to be supervised for every little thing. So when I was growing up, it was very safe, maybe because we didn't know back then. I remember I heard on the news the other day that some kid had called in a bomb threat. We always did that. Every spring, every senior class would call in bomb threats, you know, and now it's like a terrorist activity. So that's just some of the big social change. When I was 16, um, birth control came out. And so we took turns borrowing our mother's car and skipping school and driving girls to Iowa City 30 miles away where they could get birth control pills, you know. And there wasn't a lot of... uh, It seemed as though there was a smaller person. Now, there was sexual assault back in those days, but everybody was having sex consensually, and there was not the danger of it. Oh, and hitchhiking. We hitchhiked everywhere. If we wanted to go somewhere, we just would say, let's go to Chicago, and we'd be like, okay, and we'd just take the weekend and go to Chicago with like a dollar in our pocket because we met people on the road, and we would stay with them, you know, and they would feed us, and it, it was just such a free, free way to live. And I think our parents, being part of that really rigid 50s, or, you know, the 40s, 50s, um, I think they were really wanted us to experience everything. My mother never discouraged me from anything I wanted to do. So... I hitchhiked to California once. I rode a freight train to Chicago. You know, I did all of this stuff. And uh, she would just be like, oh, that's Joe. And I really relished that. And that was a really good time to live. Although the 60s was a very free time, it didn't come without the oppression that women face still today. Intense body standards are something that women have always had to deal with. And back when Joe was growing up, very skinny was what was considered beautiful. Well, I never, I mean, I think I burned my bra way back when I was 14. But no, we didn't wear bras back then. You know, well, none of us really had to. And, um, you know, uh, girdles, 
you wore a girdle. I mean, you were supposed to wear a girdle, and you were supposed to wear bras with the pointed. But I was a swimmer, and so I was, you know, always in and out of the pool. And um, I never could really get behind that too much, you know. So my mother said as long as I did 50 sit-ups a day and did not weigh more than 120 pounds, I wouldn't have to wear a girdle. And so that's what I did. I mean, it was an intense body image society that we lived in back in those days. It was all twiggy. I mean, I didn't, I remember keep holding my weight to 110. And then when I got older, I was 120. But you did not eat. I mean, you just didn't eat. And and back in those days, like I swam competitive competitively up until I was 15. Then once I became a, you know, woman, um, that was kind of discouraged. I was expected to be Miss Washington County, you know, and start flying right. I wore a size 26 Levi's. We, and every girl I knew did this, to wash them, put them on wet, and let them dry on them, lay down to zip them up. And we would wear those things. And thin, thin, thin. I would go like this with my waist, and I'm measuring about an inch right here. And if it was bigger than that, I wouldn't eat for three days. Totally supported by my mother, because we had diet pills back in those days, okay? And so most moms were on diet pills, and were giving them to us. So that was that. But, you know, I'm taking this art fashion history course. <laughs> and all through the ages, women have been altering themselves to please ding-dong, I don't know, you know. It's not feminism, though, is it? And so I believe, you know, if you want to do that, then you go ahead and do that. Um, but I love this natural beauty that I'm seeing on campus. I love it. And I, it's just because I had that pounded into my head that I struggle with my personal bias towards wholesomeness. If you don't look like you are just starving, you know, that was just always a, such a sign of beauty. But as long as women are true to themselves and they're not doing it to please society or because it's a fad, one thing I don't miss be, by being older is the fad stuff because I was always in it. You know, like, I got off on that. But I still hear the little girls talking in the bathroom, you know, like, oh, I couldn't do anything with my hair today or, or whatever. And, uh, but they'll be looking at themselves, and, and I just want to go up to them and just say, my God, you're beautiful. You know, you are absolutely flippin' beautiful. Look at that skin, you know. So I don't think that young girls realize just how pretty they are. And... Um, I don't think that young girls are taught today that they're sacred. And we really kind of knew that back then. We knew we were special because we are the lifeblood. I mean, as long as there's a woman, there's a person, you know, there's another generation. But without the woman, there's nothing. And uh, that we all had a voice and we all seemed to be bonded towards um, social change. And that was really important to us. 
And I remember being involved in, well, I was involved in women's feminism, which is a, looked a lot different back then than it does now. Mm-hmm. I took a women's studies course last semester, and I found out I was like a second-wave feminist or something, which I found offensive anyway. And, you know, I mean, even something as basic as equal rights, feminism, has is so jammed up anymore. Uh, let me describe what we were like back then um, and our idea of feminism. Our idea of feminism was choice over our body that we could control whether we were going to get pregnant or not. That was very important. It was also seen as, we also saw it as our responsibility to make sure every girl had an opportunity and knew that she could get birth control pills without her parental consent. When we did choose to have children, we had a choice to stay home or go to work. And there was no pressure about that. And when we, and of course I chose to stay home and teach yoga at the Y and swimming class. <laughs> Part-time. But, um, and, and it was very communal. You know, we went out into our communities. We made sure that all the kids in our neighborhood had a sandwich. You know, we did that kind of grassroots. I call that feminism. We began to demand some respect and to have a voice to be heard. And baby steps with legislation was being passed at the same time. Now this was in the Midwest. So I know that there were more radical organizations in Chicago, but our feminism was really still really home-centered and community-centered. I don't know what to say about today because I haven't made up my mind about it yet. I, I'm paying attention and I'm listening. One thing that I've really noticed is, uh, you know, there's just so much blurring of genders now and blurring of everything. And I, I look at that and I'm like, wow, we're sitting right in the middle of an evolution. You know, the, the way we relate to each other is all blurred up. Um, no longer does it work. I don't think people are happy using anger to motivate them into action. I think people want to make a choice that's going to benefit and then say, you know, instead of, well, you just pissed me off, and that's why, be able to say, I, I choose not to do that, you know. Um, I call that feminism. And it seems to me as though... Women really want to have it all. So what, everything gets 20% of you, and then where are you? And then you don't pop pills for fun anymore. You pop pills because you actually think they help you, and you get caught in some kind of spin cycle, all to be equal to, to what? I think once again we need to to get underneath the surface of stuff and uh, 
get down here. You know the Harvey Weinstein thing with all the women coming forward? And now some of the men are saying, well, like Quentin Tarantino, I really admired what he said. He said deep down inside he knew something was going on and he just didn't address it because his job, da-da, da-da, you know, very valid reasons. But um, there, there's so many women and none of them came forward until this little tiny unknown just came forward. And now all these women are, um, and some of them I would consider to be feminist. Women that I would say, good job. They didn't say anything for years. And now they're coattailing off this poor little, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That was, Gwyneth Paltrow could have prevented, from the sounds of things, 40 women being sexually assaulted. Um, that's not taking very good care of our, each other. Let's address the, our lack of voice. Let's address our lack of true commitment to social change. Because most certainly, I'm just using, sorry Gwyneth, I'm just using her as an example, but most certainly, I doubt her true commitment to social change as she let this slide and allowed Brad Pitt to threaten to beat him up, you know. So, uh, uh, I think maybe in that case, um, we our sisterhood back in second wave feminism, oh, that just makes my butt itch, um, <laughs> maybe we took perhaps better care of each other because we got our nose in that. And we had our nose in domestic violence. We had our nose in any kind of mistreatment of women. Um, seriously. Oh, and we didn't shave either. I mean, that was another way you knew, you know, that you had gone, gone to the other side. <laughs> and we breastfed our babies in public. And I remember the first lawsuit um, with a woman firefighter nursing at the firehouse. And it made it all the way to, like, the Iowa Supreme Court or something. <laughs> so change happens slow. Now at 62, Joe is attending the University of Nevada, Reno. She's involved in CASAT and is hoping to attend grad school after graduation. And plus, when you turn 60, you realize your life is gravy. Okay. And you best get busy. So one thing I always wanted was kind of in the back of my head a little bit. Maybe I should go to college. Eh. And my marriage wasn't going well. And that could have just been a choice on my part. You know, he, he hadn't changed, you know. I just changed the way I saw seeing things. So I left and moved over here. Now I needed to go back to work. Well, I had a substance abuse license right? Level three counselor, biggest you can get, but no college degree, no license, right? So I decided to enter this program called CASAT, which is the Center for Substance Abuse Technologies, and it's a minor program that they have offered here. And uh, I met with Dr. Shadley, who, you know, kind of oversees the program or whatever, and she got me signed up for CASAT. 
and I was going in on a displaced homemaker's grant plus a cassette grant. So it was being paid for, and I was so excited. And I couldn't wait to start, so I asked a prevention, um, Stephanie, I can't remember what her last name is, but I asked her if I could audit her class, and she let me. And so I started at the university, and then one thing just led to another. And now here I am, 62 years old, a senior at UNR, and I met with my advisor last week, and you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to go to grad school. Because why not? This has been It Was a Different Time. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at It Was a Different Time for updates on upcoming episodes and fun facts about our guests. Also, check us out on itwasadifferenttime.wordpress.com for episodes and portraits of all of our guests. I'm your host, Natalie Wekeser, and thanks for listening.